Good evening, Patriots. Today's the end of Tuesday, June 27th in the year 2023. You know, the last hour was pretty intense. And I would just, I can always kind of tell in our chat when a message is heavy and people are reflecting deeply and, and many times it's not exactly what people want to hear. I live in a pretty chaotic world right now with a lot of attacks from our enemy. And they do have a master plan that they've been working on for a long time. And as we're waking up to what they're doing, we still fall victim of the weakness in our faith. So I was reading some of the chat comments and it's like, you know, somehow we'll get through this because we because of our Father, our God. And yet we're missing something very critical here. There shouldn't even be a comment like that. And I'm not criticizing anybody. It's just the point that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High. We have the authority over all of this. But we continually fall victim to our lack of faith and belief in just that. So we're going to get into all that this evening. Before we begin, I just want to point out that, and this is a very urgent statement, the USDA has just recently released their warning about serious food shortages that are going to hit America, and it's going to happen very soon. And what is happening is that the America's breadbasket states are with countless crops that have been planted last season, aren't going to be able to harvest them this year. It's a combination of, of government interference. It's a combination of people trying to, you know, not being able to survive the economics. It's a whole bunch of things. And extreme weather, as well as worldwide uh, fertilizer shortages, which I don't know how we got there, but we did. Being dependent on Russia for all of our fertilizer. It's pretty much insane, but it's the world of, of global economics that we're subject to. So what's that's ultimately going to mean is there's going to be less food and it's going to be at higher prices. And we can already see that happening. Add to that the collapse of the dollar and things are going to get pretty crazy. So the question everyone needs to ask is, are you prepared? Now, in preparation, I always look at things in a couple of ways. You need to have long-term supplies in place. And those are some real, that should be as much as you can stack away. But you always need to have a core amount of emergency food. And that's where my Patriot Supply comes in. It is literally one of the best places to go, and they have an amazing package deal going on right now, which is a four-week emergency food kit, which contains all the things you need with delicious foods and it's that are healthy and good for your family and will carry you through tough times, literally. So you need to go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, and there you're going to get, take it, be able to take advantage of this great deal that's going on right now. Now, this is not something you need to take any chances with. And frankly, I'd have a hard time myself, especially with, with my parents in the house, if I hadn't done and don't continue to do every single thing that I can to make sure that food supplies are in, in place. Because this is one area that they know, those in power know, that if you control the food, you control the, the people. So take advantage of this offer. It's, it's not going to last for long. Don't delay. Head over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Place your order. Take advantage of these four-week emergency food kits at My Patriot Supply. You won't be disappointed. Great thing to have on hand. It's one of the foundations you should have. So, again, preparewithbards.com.
take a look, check, check it out. All right, I want to look at some things here tonight. And what I want to begin with is just a perspective, which is actually rooted in Ezekiel 34. And Ezekiel 34 has become this verse I keep being drawn back to because of what it represents. So I'm going to read part of this so we can kind of get the context where I want to go. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophecy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophecy and say to them, the spiritual shepherds, thus says the Lord God, woe, judgment is coming to the spiritual shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, the choicest of meat, and clothe yourselves with the wool you slaughter. You slaughter the best of the livestock, but you do not feed the flock. You have not strengthened those who are weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bandaged the crippled. You have not brought back those gone astray. You have not looked for the lost, you have, but you have ruled them with force and violence. You have, they have scattered because there was no shepherd, and, they were, and when they were scattered, they became food for all the predators in the field. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on the every hill. My flock was scattered over all the face of the earth, and no one searched or sought for them. This is, has so many applications in our lives. But I want to look at a couple of industries and kind of show you where the church becomes so massively responsible and, hope, and ultimately the spiritual shepherds. So let's look at a couple of key industries. You have life insurance. You have retirement accounts. You have pharmaceutical. And you have the medical industry. Now, everything that's in here and everything I just listed should have been the function of the church because all four of those things are about preserving life in the material and overcoming the challenges of the physical life to live a full life, all of which should have been the stewardship and control of the church. But the church gave it up. When we deal with lack of healing with the sick, we're dealing with a door that's wide open for pharmaceutical, a door that's wide open for medical and the medical tyranny, a door that's cast wide open for the fears of death, which is life insurance, and the door that is cast wide open for the fear of the unknown in retirement as we get older, which is the 401k and investment circus, all of which is run by a Luciferian order. So the church's role, which in Ezekiel 34, God says he will judge the spiritual shepherds. And those spiritual shepherds have failed to do their job in the critical areas of healing the sick, casting out demons, and ultimately raising the dead. So many churches have rebuked that as something they don't want to touch, and yet here we are and all of the, the great controllers of the world, if you take the four major things that are controlling people's lives right now, pharmaceutical or pharmacia, medical, financial in the retirement accounts, and financial in terms of insurance and life insurance, those are your four major engines 
in this world that are driving so much. And if you're not familiar with the power of insurance, you should get the get the, become aware of it. I mean, insurance literally, life insurance and the life insurance industry is literally making you make a bet on your life and on your duration of life. And that money, it's the place where they launder money and it's the place where they claim so much of the funding. They don't need to worry about an economic downturn. People are just giving them money on a, on a bet that the life insurance is, is going to outlast them. All that is not of God. So these four major pillars in our world have shaped a lot of the world we're in. And God has said very clearly in Ezekiel 34 that he's going to judge the spiritual shepherds that have failed in their place, which have ultimately, and I'm taking you to the next level, have allowed these four major pillars of the Antichrist world to step in and take hold and take a foothold. So that leads us then into this, which was the last hour, where we go because the dependency on the on these things, the dependency on pharmaceutical, the dependency on medical, the dependency on our retirement accounts, the fear of death from life insurance, all of these things drive people's commitment and bondage into a system. So then when they start to shift a financial system like into Fed now, which we talked about last hour, then what happens is people feel like they can't escape and the shackles move from their ankle to their throat and literally hold you in place. And we did so by our own free will and by the acceleration and, and opportunities created by a church and a pulpit that failed to do its job in healing the sick. It is so critical. That is not an option. And yet somehow churches think that it is an option. And I'm not really sure how that happens. So we end up in a place where people start to feel very underpowered. And that was very evident in last hour's show. And it was evident in the comments. Because I think what people were looking for in the show that I did last hour were, okay, what's the, what's the fix to this? How do we fix this? And I didn't give you the whole fix. Because in a certain way, there's, there's the mechanical fix, which is be prepared to barter, make sure you're stocked up, know the seven pillars of county by county, Understand that you have to build a measure of sovereignty. That's the hard work. Roll up your sleeves. That's the work you have to do. Okay. But there's another part of this, which is an aspect to who we are that we still are not valuing enough. So I'm going to bring this in in a moment. It's going to relate to Romans 8. Okay. But I want to go to today's prayer. It bended knee. And this is what was amazing in today's prayer, bended knee. As I was praying along, I felt a really powerful nudge. And I am one that likes to listen to those nudges, as you should know by now. And that nudge was leading me to do a prayer which it was kind of shocking in a way once I did it. I realized what I had done. The prayer was to build a hedge of protection and to bless the land, the air, and the water so that nobody anymore could be harmed by its effects that had been done by the influence of the demonic force. 
That's a big prayer. That's a scoping prayer. That's a prayer that goes far beyond just healing an individual. And we're pretty much focused increasingly on the idea of praying and healing, and that's, that's substantial. But there's something great in that prayer that I realized later where God was actually leading. And I want to read you this. This is Romans 8, beginning at 18. For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the suffering of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. For even the whole creation, all nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly because of some of the intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be freed from its bondage to decay and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Those are incredible words. And what it's talking about is our authorities. We are so understating who we are. We are so beat down as the children of God. We have been so deeply programmed to believe we are lesser than he. And what a tragedy that is. What a sadness that represents. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High. God gave us dominion. Not only did, was it given to us through Christ, he gave it to us in Genesis. Genesis 1.28, And God blessed them, granting them certain authority, and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subject it, putting it under your power. And rule over dominant, rule over, dominate the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. That's profound. So, what happened to us? Somewhere along the way, the institutions of men, known as government, have stepped in, and we've believed them that we should be obedient to them. And the minute we did that and subjected ourselves to the laws and rules which they put before us without us working as the representatives of the sons, as the representatives of God, as sons and daughters of the Most High, we gave our authority to them. We handed it over. We are now here in this place where suddenly we're facing what is potentially going to be one of the greatest changes financially the world has ever seen. And in not one comment that I saw, not one comment in chat the last hour did anybody make the statement that we have the authority over this. Instead, it was hard truth, raw truth, difficult to process, lots of things to think about, God will ultimately get us through this. We got through, we got through the shots, through the same thing. Not one person wrote in there, we have the authority over all of this. And yet we do. What's that say about us? 
And I'm sorry if this hits home and it hits hard. It's not intended to be demeaning, but it's a definite statement that we have to reflect very deeply on of what it says for our current state of affairs in our mind when we're allowing this evil to get inside our head, take up massive intellectual real estate, own our thoughts to think that God cannot overcome this, and greater than that, forget that we have been given the authority by the Most High to overcome them, and then sit here and plead to God to ask him to fix things that we already have been given authority over. How does that work? The prayer today surprised me. It surprised me in an amazing way because it was such a powerful and scoping prayer, a prayer that reached far beyond a prayer that I normally do, and yet it was completely Holy Spirit-led. And the question I will ask anybody is, did if, especially if you were in the prayer, did you believe it? The answer was, I absolutely did believe it. And that's the important part is our belief in alignment with our faith. I often use the term trust. So it's not enough just to say, well, I prayed. We have to believe into what we're praying. And that's where we need, that's where two or three are gathered. That's the witness and confirmation of the prayer. That's our authorities that we're claiming. And when we do that, we have control over it. So as we're faced with a potential crisis in many people's lives, being forced into enslavement, and all our answer is, is that, well, somehow God will take care of us. We're not functioning like the children of the Most High. We're functioning like infants in a, that don't understand who they are, that are under God's control, that he's going to call you in and go, okay, children, come back home. We'll take care of things. We'll send down the angels to clean up this mess. We've already been given these authorities. Patriots, one of the things we have to face, like it or not, is this world is literally run by psychopaths. And with that, you never know what they're going to do. At this critical hour in all the things that we face, there's a lot of discussion about the grid going down and what form that takes can be many, but it will definitely tax our electronics and everything that we rely on in our life. That's why we have EMPShield.com. Whether it's an EMP by man-made nature, whether it's a solar flare, whether it's lightning bolts, whether it surges from the power grids, EMP Shield is designed to protect the electronics of our home and our vehicles, our generators, even our radios, RVs, and computers. So check it out at EMPShield.com. These are tested in some of the finest labs in the world to the standards of the military and to the standards that we know would occur in the event of a man-made, destructive, and weaponized EMP. And it handles all levels of EMP. And if you use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S, you'll get $50 off and free shipping. Plus right now, still, they're continuing the sale site-wide of 10% off, which is the extension of the Memorial Day weekend sale. So head on over to empshield.com, use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, take advantage of the site-wide sale, plus your, your promo from BARDS code, $50 off and free shipping. Great deal, great product, easy to install, full library of resources there to figure out how to install it. And you can get them installed and know that you have some of the best insurance you can have for some of the coming days ahead and the unknowns that we face. So again, empshield.com, 
promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. And so it's time for us to really start living into the authorities of the sons and daughters of the Most High. This gets into difficult areas for a lot of people in faith because when it starts to, you hear things like, so you're telling me, and I've had these conversations, you're telling me that I can manifest a future. No, I'm telling you, you have control over a future. I'm telling you, you have dominion over evil. I'm telling you that with authorities given to us by heaven, that we are the stewards of this earth and that the earth is not supposed to be stewarding us. I'm telling you that God has given us those authorities and it's in the word. So there's really no debate about this any more than there's debate about churches that don't want to believe in healing or don't want to believe in casting out demons or don't want to believe about raising the dead. I don't know where that nonsense comes from. It's in scripture. And somehow it's seen like it's some metaphor or parable and it's not. These are true authorities, which we have authorities which we have to use and wield with the mightiness of the sword of of steel as mighty as we wield the sword of steel we have to wield the sword of the spirit and when we do these effects happen on earth as they would in heaven because god is working through us but it goes so much farther than that blessing our food as a simple issue is about was a comes from the fact of blessing the meat that was used in ritual sacrifice. In other words, it was blessed. It was given the demonic power to have impact for this ritual sacrifice. So blessing the food, not knowing always where it came from, the prayer of blessing the food cleansed the food and made it safe to eat. We don't think about food that way. Matter of fact, I would say most people don't even consider what goes in their body, which is God's temple that he's loaned to us. So when we're blessing the food, if we can bless the food, why can't we bless the land? Why can't we bless the air? Why can't we bless the water and create living water and living air and living soil to revitalize that? Because our role isn't just to take from this earth. And I think this is what's so misconstrued. We're here to be stewards of this earth. What is a steward? to To be a steward over everything is to make sure that things grow and prosper and get better than when you left them, than when you received them. And yet, what, how do we live? We are such a, a immediate satiation, disposable society. It's like, okay, I need to buy something. It doesn't work. I'm going to throw it away. I'll buy something else. I've got to harvest this to get that. I've got, and we don't think in terms of generational improvement, but that's what a steward does. A good steward takes whatever they have and they make it better every day of their life. Their duty is to improve it and to continue to grow it. Now imagine a world that works like that where the mindset is always to improve, not to take. You know, you take so much of what we have. I'll just take one of the latest and most easily attainable arguments, which is this electric vehicle nonsense. That whole argument is based on somebody wanting a vehicle that they have, that they want, number one, that makes them feel good, that makes them feel that they're doing something good without having to do anything at all by spending money so that someone else can mine the lithium, especially children and slave labor, and they don't have to worry about it, but they don't have to make themselves feel 
like it's bad for the environment, even though all the fuel, the electricity that they use, ultimately the majority of it comes from coal fire plants, which they're supposed to not be wanting. It's a complete nonsense argument. So it's completely self-driven. There's no impact. There's no stewardship. It's about taking, consuming. And then what happens when the electric battery is done? You discard it in the junk pile, but you have someone else do it because you don't want to see it go into landfill. You want to imagine that somehow it's going to be used again, which it's not going to be. And then if you're in China, what you do is you talk about being the world's greatest consumer of electric vehicles, which is a lie. Because you want to draw in Western capital so they'll invest in that dream. So you can talk to the world about how we are the greatest producers of electric vehicles, even though they have tens and tens of thousands of electric vehicles parked and stacked in open lots that are not selling, that are just rotting, that are brand new. This is all true and documented. Because all the companies were trying to do was to get wealth from the Western investors and pocket the money themselves. And, of course, that meant that jobs were sustained in China. And China can say it's a great green economy. It's an economy that's growing and building its economy on green production. It's all a lie. It's a Ponzi scheme. That's not stewardship. That's arrogance. It's pride. It's stupidity. It's selfish consumption. It has zero net effect. In fact, it's worse. It's degrading to the earth. Plastics, another great one. We want to recycle plastics. That's a great one. I'm going to recycle plastic. I'm going to feel so good about my environment. I'm going to put my little blue box out on the curb. I'm going to stick it with a bunch of plastic bottles, and I'm not going to go away and be made of something good. So what are they going to be made of? Most of that plastic is packaged up and sent to China, and a large percentage of it, like 30, sometimes as high as 60%, ends up getting dumped in the ocean. So if you're wondering where that plastic is, it's floating in a big island that's screwing up the animals. It's getting into the ecosystem. Oh, and the other part of the plastics, besides the hormones that it emits and the BHP or BPH, and then the other parts of the plastics that's in everything that they're feeding to animals, we're ingesting plastics. It's something like 2 to 3% of our body now is plastic. But all of that, because we want to recycle it. We don't want, to see, we don't want accountability of it. We want to put it in a blue box and have somebody pick it up and take it out of our way so I can feel like I'm an environmentalist. That's not being a steward, yet those people would think they are. Being a steward is getting your hands dirty. Being a steward is literally being engaged with the simple processes. The modern life that we have is a, is a fool's errand. It's designed to make us feel like we're greater than we are. We're supposed to feel like we are the dominant species on this earth because we have great technological things. But that's not what Romans 8 is talking about. Romans 8 is not talking about the awakening of the children of God, the sons and daughters of the Most High, because they suddenly have a better internet, an EV, an electric vehicle, a plastic bottle that they've thrown into a recycling bin that someone's going to turn into toxic waste. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the sons and daughters of the Most High that are stepping into their authority as stewards of the earth. Those authorities that were given to us in Genesis, those authorities that were reminded to us later by Jesus in Matthew. See, we have the authority over all of this. And these Luciferians know it. They understand the power of our prayers and the authorities which we were given. We don't, they do. 
They understand all of this because they see it from the other side of it. They know that the most powerful thing they can do is to sacrifice a child and drink its adrenalized blood and to make those sacrifices to their demons, which are real, which then possess this earth. They know that when they push out porn and they get men addicted to porn and men are masturbating to porn, they know that every single time that's happening, they're opening a portal for demons to enter their lives. But we don't, or we don't pay attention to it because we don't believe in demons in the church today, the majority of it. They're not real unless you're a Pentecostal and then you're like, then you're called like, oh, they're Pentecostal. They're a little bit weird. The Bible tells us what's real. It's right there. It's in black and white. It's not complicated. In fact, what's most amazing is everything we face right now is not complicated. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's not complicated. Because every single thing that we face is for us to proclaim our authorities through prayer. And where two or three are gathered, which is the witness to the prayer, like the contract made to empower that and to take it to heaven, to ultimately have it become as it is in heaven on earth. But there's another little part about that that's important. A frivolous prayer isn't what we need. And we hear this, we hear this a lot. Well, I need to pray to God to get my credit card done or something like this. God is not a bank account and is not a cashier. We start, when we're praying, it is in our heart. And what becomes our prayer is where our hearts are aligned. And so as we transact that prayer with heaven, there has to be a reality of heaven being in alignment with our heart. So here's an example. You're praying for something which is whatever it is. It's maybe an improvement in your property to do something. Like let's say you're going to build a children's program. But in the back of your mind, part of this is how much money are you going to make in this and charge for this so you can have a good salary. Now, God doesn't want us to be paupers, but I will guarantee you that part of that transaction is not part of what heaven's concerned about. And so you pray on it and pray on it and nothing happens. And you'll hear things like this. I'm praying on it and nothing's happening. I'm hoping God's hearing me. It's probably a good idea to do inventory on your deeper thoughts. To start finding out where your alignment of your heart is because awakening into the authorities of the sons and daughters of the Most High is not putting yourself in that model, but being stewards of the earth. Which means if you're praying for, say, the resources and the things needed to build a children's program, you're praying into that as stewards of that project of the children of heaven. Because given into that, it's right there. God will provide. Okay. But what does that look like? And it may not look like a 10,000 square foot home with a Frank Lloyd Wright design and a Maserati sitting in the driveway. That's probably not what it's going to look like, even though that's a status of success that many people might migrate to. It might look like a small little room, very humble, where you have all you need in terms of living and you have all you need in terms of food. Because the true passion of what you're doing is for kingdom. Because what we're doing here on earth is to, is reflects into eternity. Too much of our translation in what we live here is always in the material thing. I cannot tell you how many people I've listened to 
over the years in, in Bible study, they will say things like, I can't wait till I get to heaven. There'll be streets of gold. We'll be having parties with the family. We're going to have great gatherings. We're all going to be happy. It's like, I'm not really sure where that was written. And I sure as heck don't think that anywhere in heaven is talking about a material transaction when we get there. And yet we do that. And it's a reflection of how we see ourselves on this earth and how we see earth as in heaven, not heaven onto earth. And I guarantee you when they're talking about the awakening of the children, for even when the whole creation and all nature awaits awaits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed, I guarantee you that didn't say they would be walking out there with a new pair of of designer shoes, designer jeans, and and a car that comes off of an Italian showroom. That's not what revealing is. So all of this conversation is centered on a critical thing. It's us claiming our authorities. I've been talking a lot about this. And I rebuke anybody. I rebuke any church for that matter that literally sits and tries to suggest that somehow that we are not supposed to be aggressively and forward-leaning in our position to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to raise the dead as fundamental shortlist to what we're doing, plus share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because all of that is part of the assessment of shepherds in Ezekiel 34, and all of that is about proclaiming authorities which set us in motion that talks about in Romans 8. And all of that is about fulfilling what God has told us literally from the beginning in Genesis 1.28 to be the stewards of earth, which means to proclaim authorities and take the authorities which were given to us. But a center to all of that is stewardship. Stewardship. Which is to grow, to improve, not just to sustain, to make it a better, better place. The Umpqua River Basin, Umpqua River Valley, three years ago, almost coming up on four years now, was hit by a directed energy weapon, which I actually have the, just so we're clear about this, I have the radar shot that proves it. A directed energy weapon struck just outside of Glide, Oregon, up in the hills. It started a fire that burned down one of the worst It was one of the worst fires we've had in the area that burned down some of the greatest forests in Oregon and probably the country. These were old growth forests that had such a purity and beauty in that place. Literally, the Holy Spirit resided there everywhere you went. I haven't fished there now for two years. It's heartbreaking to go there. I've gone up there, but it's really heartbreaking. The forest is in the process of renewal, and that's a natural cycle. But the thing that I've looked at is what is possible. In our world of the physicality and the materialness of how we live, we look at that and say we have to wait for nature. Do we? Because if we pray for healing of a place and healing of a land, and we're able to get rid of the damage and, and the, the sort of blood sacrifice that has happened over time. What is possible as stewards 
of this earth, that God has given us the direction to make things greater than when we came. Is it possible to rebuild a forest through prayer in a rate and a speed that's unprecedented? Many would say no. And yet it's possible to cure cancer. We've seen the testimonies here. We had a father that was given 10 days to live that we prayed on that was going into the doctor and they say your cancer's cured. They can't explain it and he's home and living well. We had a woman who had two fused vertebrae, was having neurological problems and had a steel or a titanium pin that was inappropriately installed in her leg, scheduled for surgery. All surgery was canceled after we prayed seven days later and the comment was made, we don't understand it, but you no longer need surgery. Doctors were stunned. We've had somebody that was that overdosed on, on what apparently is heroin overdose, was literally out of oxygen, out of life for five minutes, said that she would never survive, it was on a ventilator and a life support system that is now off the ventilator, off the life support system, the beginning to speak with full knowledge in my heart that her brain will completely recover. Those are the what, that's what stewards do. So the question is, what's the limit and how far can we go? And my answer, I believe, rests in Romans 8. That essentially, to paraphrase, the cloud of witnesses are awaiting for the awakening of the sons and daughters of the Most High to step into their authority and start being stewards of the earth, i.e., there is no limit if you're walking in your authority as the sons and daughters of the Most High, living as God intended to be stewards and improve and make better what we were given to live in and with. See, unfortunately, with the revelationist influence that's come about and with the place in which we currently walk, too often we think of this world as a temporary place. We're anxious to leave. We want to skedaddle out of here. We want to be taken away, raptured out. In fact, without giving out too much of a name, but there's somebody that recently has a lot of influence that literally was asked, what is the answer to the current state that we're in? And their answer was, there is no answer. We just have to wait to be raptured out. That's not, that's a quote. Isn't that sad? Because we are talking about the place where heaven will reside. We are the stewards of this place, not the people to run away. David wasn't a shepherd of the might that he was because he ran away from his flock. Instead, he faced the lions and he faced the wolves and he killed them all to ultimately be called to stand in front of Goliath and to slay him with a single stone. That's part of walking in the authority that God gave us. So I challenge everyone and take this to prayer. But I challenge everyone to step into that authority. There's no limit. Today's prayer was a reminder to me as the Holy Spirit pushed me to pray, to put a hedge of protection around people to keep them, to purify and, and reinvigorate and keep them safe from the pollutants in the earth, in the air and the water. 
What's the difference between that prayer and blessing my food? It's only scale. My dad told me something once, and I've always lived with it. And it's an important perspective in business that applies to this here. He said, son, the only difference between a $1,000 job and a $1,000,000 job are the number of zeros. And he was 100% right. The problem is when we see a $1,000 job, we immediately think, oh, that'll be easy. When we see a $1,000,000 job, we go, whew, I don't know if I can do that. But when you do the jobs, you discover something. The process for each is exactly the same. The planning has to be just as thorough. The customer problems never change. They just get greater and in number. And the only other thing that changes is the frequency of the money drops and the amount of money that goes in your account and potentially how much tax you have to pay on it. And maybe a few other things like the number of subs and your equipment, material details, which all are there. But you, what you do in a $1,000 job, you're going to do in a million-dollar job. So what's the difference between blessing your food and blessing the soil, the air, and the water of this nation to keep people safe and healed? What's the difference between praying that someone can have an experience in the Holy Spirit and be have an encounter with Jesus and praying for the entire world that they can come to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and be reminded of who the Father is? It's only about whether we're willing to step into the arena that the door has been opened for, for us to live into the authorities and stewardship of the sons and daughters of the Most High. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you tonight, humbled, and we put ourselves before you, reflecting very deeply on the place in which we walk as the sons and daughters of the Most High. And so, Father, I begin this prayer tonight with one of mercy and forgiveness. For us to have stumbled along and bumbled along, to have literally believed in our heart, and some still do, that those in power have greater might over us, even though we have been given the authority by you to be stewards of this earth. How that has happened is a stunning process of brainwashing and walking away from the authorities that are given to us in Scripture. It's a sad process of listening to somebody at a pulpit telling us how we have to think about the Bible or what relationship we're supposed to have with you instead of reading the word and hearing the power of the word that empowers us to lead us into the roles that you intended us to be. So forgive us, Father, for these are walks that we have made and and steps that we have made that are truly, in my eyes, sins of the greatest magnitude and order. And so we sit here humbled today as a reminder that you have turned this earth over to us to be stewards. Jesus reminded us of the same. And the authorities were given to us to be able to step on snakes and scorpions and to have authority over and dominion over all evil. We were equally reminded that all that Jesus did and greater works than he's was within our ability, within our authorities, as he goes to you, Father. Along the way, we listened to the the whispers of the father of lies and convinced ourselves in so many ways that either that was left for a minority few or it just wasn't possible or part of our mandate anymore as Christians, as lovers of Jesus, 
as the sons and daughters of the Most High. So again, Father, forgive us. But in this hour, Father, renew us. Renew that confidence. Renew that understanding. Renew the beauty and joy that comes from being true stewards of this earth. The love and compassion that comes for all things that you created. The sense of being a shepherd that faces the challenge of the wolf and faces it with ferocity to protect the flock and to raise them up. The selflessness of a walk, of being able to put ourselves forward without fear, knowing that you are with us in all steps. The courage to reach with our prayers and our walk in earth, both as both in unison, to be able to strike at the enemy fearlessly and have the trust in our authorities that we will be smoting them and delivering heavy blows. The willingness to step back from the narratives that's over oversaturate us, that leave us uneasy or fearful or feeling overwhelmed because the enemy speaks in the, in the airways and the principalities that we don't see or beyond our reach, that somehow we believe that those are mightier than you because we fail to put on the armor that you gave us. So, Father, forgive us, but empower us. We pray for the blessings of empowerment to reinvigorate that spark, to reinvigorate that fire, to reinvigorate the sense of being a shepherd, to reinvigorate the sense of what it is to be the son or daughter of the Most High. And as we do, let our eyes be opened and the scales fall. Let us see the world through your eyes, Father. Let us hear it through your ears. Let us feel the joy and the love and the mightiness of what it is to walk in kingdom. The authority that gives us, the responsibility that that means. And the compassion that allows us to wield the sword of spirit with such mightiness and such precision that we truly begin to see this world as a place to steward, to grow, to mature, to transform into something greater than what was given. Guide us and bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, again, my challenge is fairly simple. Take these things to prayer. Reflect on them. Consider them and lean in and understand that we are truly intended to be the stewards of this earth. I do not buy into the authorities of those who have put themselves in power, installed themselves there, and believe that they are somehow greater than us. I don't buy into it. And that doesn't mean that you're, there isn't going to be a challenge and a sense of martyrdom that has to evolve. Probably is. But when we're standing on our authorities, mightily as we must, this world will change faster than you can imagine. This is what the de demonic realm is most afraid of, that we will awaken to who we truly are. And if we do, they know where they're going. And they know that the game is up. So let's walk as we were intended. Keep your head up and eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. 
He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest dead. Oh.